Kyle, that's a good question. I don't know what happened to Freddie Prince Jr. Darby cast wildcard Friday. Here we are. Tail end of another powerful week. Want to tip my hat again to Kyle. I'm looking at you, Kyle, for that amazing topic on Economics Wednesday, the Rumpelstiltskin analysis. Very nice. I see no problems going into any kind of content and seeing what we can find, excavate, extrapolate. And you're saying to yourself right now, is this going to become a children's folklore analysis podcast? And I'm going to tell you, probably not, but don't rule it out. Okay. Don't rule it out. Not for a second. There's a couple other of Brothers Grimm fairy tales that I kind of want to dip into. I was looking at King Thrushbeard the other day, also looking at Snow White and Red Rose. That you didn't know that Snow White had a sister who was pretty keen on nature. She loved the great outdoors, could communicate with grizzly bears that spoke English. And you're saying, I bet you I could communicate with a grizzly bear if he spoke English. And I'm saying, slow your roll, okay? This is not about you. But let's jump right into it. And I'll give you some honest disclosure. Some of the days when I sit in front of the microphone, it just flows. The stories come out. Everything is popping. And then there's other days when it's kind of slow. You're saying, how often are there slow days? And I'm saying, that's none of your business. But I bet some of you are wondering, hey, how do you, how do you turn it around? How do you figure out what you're going to talk about? And I'm going to tell you, and it's a risky play. It's not casual. I go on the internet. I go on the internet and I browse mainstream news sites because I'm going to be totally honest with you. There's a lot of hilarious stuff on there. You look around at the headlines and you kind of see the collective psychosis of these people losing their minds. And you're like, I'm just going to kind of pick one and let's just see what's going on in this person's world. And some of you who are newer to the podcast, the Darby cast, you're probably saying, well, why are you just joking about everything? Things are serious right now, man. And I'll tell you, I've tried it many a time being serious and taking the world at face value. But oftentimes when I do such a thing, I find myself uh, riddled with morbid depression and spiraling in existential despair. So I tend to make light of things. And you're saying, that's not cool, man. And I'm saying, you worry about your process. I'll worry about mine. Okay. So I'm kind of browsing. I'm checking out what's going on. And I know the things that are on people's minds still, I think, if you haven't brushed past what's been in the general national conversation for the past month, which is police reform. And I think there's a lot of good conversation going on with that. I think there's also a lot of idiots chiming in on that and be like, defund the police. And it's like, why do you think we should do that? And they'd be like, because police are idiots. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why you think that. And you got a lot of people jumping in on the conversation that really have no business talking about anything. They're kind of the last people that should be voicing an opinion about anything at all. And you're saying, who are you to say that? And I'll, you know what? I'll answer honestly. And I'll say, you got me. I probably shouldn't be talking about anything either. That's a good call. So 
police reform. I'm kind of thinking about it and people are saying abolish the police. And I'm saying, look, no further than Chaz up in Seattle, where they've been around for, I think, three weeks now. And I think in that short time period, they've already got a couple homicides, a score of rapes and per capita. If you were to actually consider them a country, I think they're the highest per capita crime nation in the world. So way to stick it to the establishment, Chaz, and also show people how amazing a society without police really functions. I think that was beautifully executed. Very well done. But, you know, the adults in the room, they're having good conversations. They say, okay, we know that policing is hard. You're often in tricky situations where the adrenaline's pumping, life or death situation, and you don't always know what to do. So maybe we need to work on our training processes, 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 and figure out, okay, how do we work on keeping our officers' heart rates low so they don't go into fight or flight mode when it's harder to make reasonable decisions. Fantastic. In fact, I was actually talking with a gentleman the other day. He's been doing that for the past 20 years. He goes around to various departments and he works with officers and says, hey, this is these are breathing techniques. This is how you keep your heart rate in check. These are techniques for how you stay calm under pressure and you can make better, more calculated decisions in the heat of the moment. I think that's fantastic. Policing's tough, right? And if you want a real clear look into how we should be reforming the police, because everybody's got an idea. I think there's some really sound thinkers out there. I think there's also a lot of idiots out there. But if you want the holy grail of reforming police, I think you got to look no further than the reality TV series Lawman with Steven Seagal. Some of you hear this and you're like, yeah, that's my favorite show ever. It's amazing. And I say, okay, well, let me explain it to the people who haven't seen it. So action movie hero Steven Seagal for the past 20 years has been a reserve deputy chief in the Jefferson Parish, Louisiana police force. And that's a big deal. So he, when he's not doing movies, he goes down and he fights crime and he does it the right way. And you're saying, how do you know that? And I say, because I watched the show. I could watch and rewatch and rewatch season one till the proverbial cows came home. It's amazing. So let me give you a little background on Steven Seagal. You know that he's been in the movies and he can handle himself in a karate style situation. That goes without saying, but in terms of his police work, he is an expert marksman. He wears sunglasses that you can wear at night. So they're not really sunglasses. They're just kind of like, they look like sunglasses, but they have yellow lenses, very expert level equipment. He has dogs that he has trained. He's good at it. He practices the martial art of Aikido, which is really a B-side Taekwondo, but he does it really well. He is good at talking street and he can modify his speech in a big way if he needs to seem like he's cool. He's in a band. Steven Seagal is in a blues band. He sings. Steven Seagal visits children's hospitals and brightens people's day. If we want to have a national police overhaul, I think the training 
starts with a mandatory five-time watch-through of season one of Steven Seagal Lawman. So people are saying, unless there's actionable steps, it's not a plan, it's just a wish, but I'm giving you a plan. So I think I'm doing better than most. But let me tell you about my browsing of the internet, right? I happened across this wonderful article. I knew it was going to be a winner from the get-go. The title just caught my eye. We were laughing about this, right, Kyle? Title goes as follows. We're re-examining how we portray cops on screen. Now it's time to talk about superheroes. Whoa. Okay, so this gal who wrote this article has blown past the conversation of how do we handle things in real life and when can we get to the meat and potatoes of the issue, which is reforming the way Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne do their thing as fictitious superheroes in dystopian wastelands and sometimes fight aliens. How do we reel them in? Because that's what matters. These are the questions that need to be asked. And I'm thankful that this gal has been brave enough to pose those questions. Okay. So, yeah, this, uh, this scholar, Elena Doctorman, she, uh, oh, let me just take a couple quotes from the article. As we engage in this long overdue conversation about law enforcement, it's high time we also talk about the most popular characters in film the ones who decide the parameters of justice and often enact them with violence. Superheroes. Damn straight. Damn straight. That's such a huge call out, right? Because I think about that when I'm watching a superhero movie. If I'm seeing a Superman flick and this extraterrestrial in anthropomorphic he's a humanoid but he's from another planet his name is cal l that's what i learned in a movie he can fly run at super speed and shoot lasers out of his eyes but if his brand of justice isn't realistic and on par with the message of the dnc like get out right get the hell out I get that. I mean, I definitely want to see a Superman overhaul. I think everybody does where Superman takes on Lex Luthor, who's a bald guy. So obviously a Nazi. He takes on Lex Luthor and then he's like, I hate you, Lex. And Lex is like, that speech is unacceptable. And then Superman has to go to a sensitivity training course. And has a sex change operation and then it goes to the credits and that's the end of the movie. This is the movie that we need made like yesterday. You know, she, this gal who wrote the article, she poses a very powerful question. She says, what are superheroes except cops with capes who enact justice with their powers? Whoa, that's kind of earth shattering, right? That kind of rocks me to my emotional core. Because that's been in the back of everybody's mind for a long time. Be like, Batman, he's a pretty dirty cop. I know he's in cahoots with Commissioner Gordon. And who are they really answering to? And you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, that's kind of the point. 
that they don't answer to anybody because Gotham is a city of corrupt police officers and politicians and nothing's really getting done. There's too much bureaucratic bloat and red tape. So they've got to take the law into their own hand. And that is the entire basis for the vigilante justice in the first place. And I'm saying, watch your tone. Cool it. You don't know anything. Now that we're on the subject of Batman, I've got another quote from the article. It says, when Batman ignores orders and goes rogue, there's no oversight committee to assess whether Bruce Wayne's biases influence who he brings to justice and how. That's totally it, right? Like when he's going up to Raz al Ghul in, let's talk about the Christopher Nolan Batman series. It's the most salient. It's the most fresh in my mind. And he's like, Raz al Ghul. The League of Shadows is corrupt. I disagree with your methodology. It's like, well, you might want to check yourself, Bruce. Like, think about your experiences versus Raz al Ghul's experiences. And maybe you're not going to see eye to eye. And who's really right? Like, he wants to poison the entire city with toxic hallucination gas. And you want to take him down, but like, who's really right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that goes, that extends to the entire Christopher Nolan uh, trilogy when Christian Bale, you know, look at the second one, look at uh, The Dark Knight when he's like, Joker, you're garbage, who kills for money. And it's like, according to you, Batman, Bruce Wayne, I know who you are. I know your background. You're a billionaire, you're, you're a rich kid, and you don't understand this guy who wants to explode things and set things on fire. It's pretty judgmental of you to think about that. Yeah, I mean, you even want to talk about the third one, The Dark Knight Rises? It is, right, Kyle? With Bane? I was born in the darkness. Very... um that's a big commentary in itself. I was born in the darkness. You adopted the darkness, Batman. I was born in it. Check your privilege, Bruce. Yeah, I would like to see Batman redone. I think everybody would like to see Batman redone where instead of him being so angry, you have that early childhood intervention. His parents, you can't save him. He takes a bullet to the parents. But then here's where it gets good. Then he gets linked up with a very strong uh, a psychologist, a counselor. And that movie plays out way better, right? So instead of like this three-part Christopher Nolan masterpiece, which I'm saying in jest because obviously it was garbage, right? But like, let me tell you how it should have gone. Batman's parents get iced. He goes and he talks to a therapist. And then Alfred, still played by Michael Caine, he goes to Bruce Wayne. He says, why do we fall down, Mr. Wayne? And Batman's like, because it's uh, the patriarchy, Alfred. And then it just goes to the credits and that's the end of the movie. And that would have been a better story, right? It would have been more on brand with the values that should have been in comic books 
all along. Like I'm sick and tired of, I think everybody's pretty sick and tired of comic books and other things that were originally written by people who had their idea for their creative process. I think it's more than time for those ideas to get hijacked by less creative people who are really angry. You know what I mean? I think it's, well, it's time. That's how it's supposed to be. You understand. You know, let's go back to the article. What's more, given that the creators and stars of these movies have historically been white men, it's hardly surprising that so few reckon with issues of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and other forms of bigotry embedded in the justice system or the inherent biases these superheroes might carry with them as they patrol the streets or the universe. Well said, right? I mean, think about Marvel's Doctor Strange for a second. He is traveling through interdimensional Tibetan portals. And if he comes across some kind of space demon who could be a female, he better watch the way he says things or people are going to be pissed. Like, that's the first thing you want to think about. If you're in a fight for your life, you got to think to yourself, like, did I say all the right things? That's what Dr. Strange needs to be reminded of, even though you're saying, oh, he's a fictitious character. How do you remind some character that's not even real? And I say, you are limited in your imagination and it's disgusting. Okay. Yeah. Like the transphobia in, in Superman, like I would have thought it would have been obvious that at a couple points in a Superman movie that he would use his super strength to pin down a tranny and suck him off out of respect, right? This gal, she hated a lot of movies and rightfully so because they're just, they're narrow-minded, they're racist, they're sexist, inappropriate at all levels. Batman, let's just trace it back to Batman. He could have easily been like, Harvey Dent, check your sexism. He could have said to Rachel, Rachel, go volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, I mean, this gal, she really just hits the nail on the head. This whole article is just saying like, how dare white men who were social outcasts, how dare they write themselves into these novels and comic books where they are heroes. Because if we know anything, if we've learned anything in recent history, it's that white guys are evil. And I can't believe the white guys creating projections of themselves didn't write in their inherent wickedness. It's like, Tone deaf much? Are you even self-aware? So what are we going to do? Because some people are talking about, let's reform the police. But I think this gal is dead on. I know she's dead on, right? Where she's like, we need to editorialize fiction, any kind of fiction that a white guy's ever created. Let's give our take on it. 
and let's implode it. Yeah, I just can't get over the part, though. The quote, the bad guys they pursue are often underdeveloped beyond their criminality. And it's like, totally, right? In a comic book where, like, why aren't you developing these criminals better? I know they're not the focal part of the narrative, but like, why don't you give a little bit of backstory about the arsonist who's burning down the children's hospital and talk about how rough he's had it? Like, pretty irresponsible storytelling, right? If you ask me, yeah, like, why aren't we getting more of a taste of where our quote unquote antagonists, right? Like a victim of society where he's been or she's been or they have been. Gotcha. Dude, I'm way ahead of the curve. But yeah, you know what? I liked where this article took a turn. This gal, Elena Doctorman. And one thing I'll say, Ms. Doctorman, is if you want to truly practice what you preach, you'll go ahead and change that last name to Dr. Woman. Yeah, get with the times. But she really liked the movie Black Panther. And I've never seen Black Panther. I heard it's good. I heard it's good. I probably should check it out. But my understanding of it is that it is a, it's this high tech, like Wakanda is this high tech ethno religious tribal society that's highly isolationist. I've heard it described as black Israel. It sounds super cool, but I think inherently Black Panther is also probably wicked because I think it was written by a white guy. So we need to really examine all these things and deconstruct them if we want police reform to happen. Do you see how that works? Do you see how that works? Because if you don't, you're a dumbass or you're a bigot, right? Those are the only two things that you can be. Do you understand? You don't get it? Oh, why don't you just deport yourself? Get out. Get out. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for you. That's big analysis, though. This gal is calling for the right things. Elena, doctor, woman. I'm already going to use your new name because I know you're going to change it to that because you're progressive. So. Yeah, that's what we need. I can't wait until something like Lord of the Rings gets destroyed. Excuse me, made better. I almost misspoke. I can't wait until we augment and amplify and tidy up Harry Potter. I think everybody wants that in a big way. These are the themes. These are the themes that are going to turn the tide is we take things that were originally created maybe by a white guy, evil, obviously, and we, we get to show kids now this is why it's terrible because in a fantasy style situation where you have people with laser beams and capes that can fight and have minds of their own and 
gamma ray exposure that turns people into the Hulk and Iron Man. You've got Tony Stark, who's just a brash chauvinist. Like you need to show people why all these things aren't okay. And like you say, why wasn't the Hulk trans? And I'm saying, beats me. That's like, that seemed pretty straightforward, right? That was a layup that was completely botched. It was completely botched. I'm going to get torn apart for this one. But you know what? I'm dialed in. I'm bought in on the message. I think more pieces of fiction should be analyzed and scrutinized for how terrible they are in not being able to have the foresight to see that people would have nearly schizophrenic reactions to everything maybe 10 or 15 years later. Like, do you have any artistic integrity, Stan Lee, right? Like, did you ever think that maybe you're a complete piece of shit and that that's all there is to it? Like, I think that's important. And I think the sooner we get those portrayals right, the sooner we can say Iron Man's gay, he's really gay, the sooner we can say that, the sooner we're going to get police reform and justice. Makes sense to me. And if it doesn't make sense to you, you're scratching your head right now. Honestly, like, just get out of here. Like, don't even, don't ask questions. Because if you want to ask a question right now, your bigotry is showing, right? Yeah, it's disgusting. It's so gross. This gal, she didn't like Samuel L. Jackson and his brand of justice in, from S.H.I.E.L.D. She didn't care that he was black because she knew he was a bigot. And that's huge because I think we all know that straight black men are the white men of black people. That's been true for years. That's the call out. That's huge. So understand this. I've got my ideas about rolling out the Steven Seagal police reform program. But I don't know if I really get it in the way that um, this gal gets it. And that, I mean, as soon as we can have Batman the right way, as soon as we can have Superman the right way, Game changer. Game changer. 100%. Next thing that we take on, obviously video games, and we'll talk about that later, we will fight back. That's DarbyCast for you. That's a wild card Friday. Like this, share it, subscribe. Send it to some people. Let them know that this is how we move forward from where we're at is discussing the morality of superheroes fighting alien invasions and figuring out ways to dispose of nukes and fighting other superheroes. It's like, get your moral code in order and then maybe we can have some police effectiveness. That's it. That's why I rely on timemagazine.com. And I was saying earlier that like it was hilarious that these things were funny to me. And you're saying, this seems pretty sarcastic. And I'm saying, what if it's not? Boom. Maybe I just had a change of heart. Darby cast, wildcard Friday. 
get used to the times. 